Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? The Feast to Fast Holiday Challenge is about to begin. Oh, and I hope you're planning to join us. We always start at the beginning of November so that we move into the holiday season with some self-control, accountability, and strategy. And part of that strategy is to avoid energy toxicity, to avoid overwhelming the body with too many energy-dense foods too often, namely uh, those refined carbohydrate fat combinations, which unfortunately makes up about 90% of the holiday foods that we eat. It's really easy to become energy toxic at this time of the year. And it's the reason people gain weight in this window between Halloween and New Year's Day. You know, it starts with an innocent little baby Snickers bite out of your kid's candy basket. Ask me how I know and can easily turn into a two-month holiday free-for-all if you're not being careful. People just don't realize the amount of energy with which they're overloading their body and that that excess energy gets stored as fat. I'm not just talking about excess calories, like eating too much in general, although that is part of the problem. But remember that calories are just a measure of energy and the conversation is better focused on how the body utilizes energy and how to optimize that process. Our goal in Feast to Fast is for you to be metabolically flexible, which means that you can easily burn both carbohydrates and fats as sources of energy. We kind of mess that up for ourselves at this time of the year with all the goodies around. It doesn't mean you can't partake in the festive cookies and hors d'oeuvres and champagne. It just means you need to have a little awareness, understanding, and strategy around it. And that's what I want to give you today. Keep in mind that when we're talking about the macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbs, proteins build the body, carbs and fats fuel the body. They are sources of energy. Our mitochondria, those little energy factories in our cells, take the carbs and fats that we eat and convert them into energy that runs our body. That's what metabolism is, converting food into energy. Now, the thing to understand is that our mitochondria burn these sources of fuel reciprocally, okay? You're either primarily burning glucose or primarily burning fat. Anytime you're burning more glucose, you're burning less fat and vice versa. The ability to burn both sources of fuel well, to switch back and forth like a hybrid car, is being metabolically flexible. That's what we wanna be and that's what we do in Feast to Fast. Unfortunately, the majority of people are metabolically inflexible, unable to burn both carbs and fat efficiently. Statistics show that 88% of Americans are metabolically unhealthy. 
This is the reason we have an epidemic of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and other chronic conditions. And listen, y'all, cancer is also considered a metabolic disease. So metabolism happens at the cellular level in the mitochondria, and we need plenty of healthy, flexible mitochondria doing their job at the energy factory. The number one problem for most metabolically unhealthy people is that they have inflexible, damaged mitochondria that are primarily burning sugar and not fat. Remember that all carbohydrates turn to sugar in the body, everything from vegetables and fruits to beans and oatmeal to donuts and tortillas. The carb category is ginormous. And because of that, it's typically the macronutrient that gets us into the most trouble and is the hardest to navigate. The thing is, sugar is always the metabolic priority. Okay, your body has to deal with glucose with the sugar first, because you can't have too much sugar in your bloodstream at one time that is dangerous. You can only have about five grams of sugar there um, at a time and then the rest needs to be dealt with. So this is when the hormone insulin is released by the pancreas to help get the glucose out of the blood and put it away somewhere safer. That's why it's known as the storage hormone. We can't live without insulin because it's what helps us get this energy into the cell. So insulin escorts the glucose into your muscle and into your liver. Those are the storage tanks for sugar, okay? But when those are full, because they're limited, they can only hold a few hundred grams. The rest of the sugar gets escorted to your fat cells for storage. So excess carbohydrates get stored as fat, okay? Whether that excess is from your oatmeal, your rice, your sweet potatoes, your chips, your sandwich bread, your apples, or your cookies. People just don't realize how easily that sugar load adds up over the day. And when your mitochondria are busy dealing with sugar because it's the priority, it can't effectively process the fat. Remember, they burn those sources of fuel reciprocally, okay? So what happens is that fat essentially gets rerouted as triglycerides to be stored as fat, okay? It, it just has to go be stored, stored away because it can't be processed as fuel. And then the fat accumulates because you can't burn it because your mitochondria are too busy burning glucose. When you look at a metabolic panel and see high triglycerides, people want to point the finger at fats, but what you really need to be looking at is carbs. Don't blame the fat for what the sugar did. It's pretty much what I want to say about cholesterol panels. So the more your body is preoccupied with sugar, the more that your dietary fat is stored as fat on top of the sugar that's being stored as fat. Okay. And as your fat cells continue to expand, as they get bigger, they become more insulin resistant. That means they're like bug off when insulin tries to escort more fat and sugar into the fat cell. Your cell doesn't want any more energy shoved in there. It's overloaded. Overstuffed fat cells are a real metabolic liability because they're inflamed, they leak out fat, they trigger your immune system. And because they're insulin resistant, your body has to make more insulin to try to get them to open up to store the energy that's coming in. And we know that when insulin is circulating, your body is in storage mode. It's not in burning mode, right? Your, your body can't store fat and burn fat at the same time. Those are opposing processes. When you can't 
burn fat for energy, you become dependent on glucose for energy. In other words, you become a sugar burner. And if you're only able to burn sugar, you have to eat more often to feel full. You can't go as long without food. So now we can kind of understand why the advice to eat six small meals a day came about the same time as uh, the food pyramid back in the 80s, you know, with this recommendation to eat all primarily carbohydrates, right? When you're primarily eating carbohydrates and only being able to burn sugar for fuel, you have to feed yourself more often, okay? And this created a population of sugar burners and sadly, this epidemic of obesity and diabetes. Also, this constant demand on the mitochondria to burn sugar kind of ruins our little energy factories. It burns them out and causes damage, which adds to the vicious cycle of having an inefficient metabolism. Okay, so what is the answer here? Well, the most obvious is not to overeat carbohydrates. We need to allow our mitochondria the opportunity to burn fat for fuel. Now, the truth is, you can get away with a high carbohydrate diet if you're also eating a low fat diet, okay? If there is little fat for the mitochondria to have to burn, then you're not sucking it away in your fat tissue as your body is busy dealing with the sugar. This is a strategy that I teach my feast of fasters, not to eat high carb all the time, but when we have feast days, which we have two feast days a week, once we get past our sugar detox week, and that's where the two in feast to fast comes from. Plus we go from feasting to fasting, um, which helps empty the liver of sugar. So that less ends up being stored as fat. But on those feast days, when we know we're going to eat more carbs, and this is where your holiday eating comes in, okay? When you know you're going to have a party or a happy hour, or you're going to be baking with your kids and, you know, wanting to eat some cookies and stuff, you plan a feast day. It's not a problem. But it's the time to get a little more mindful about reducing your fat intake. Now, we don't count fat grams in Feast to Fast. We do watch our carbs. But what I tell them is that on the days you know you're eating more carbs, it is not the day to eat the extra avocado or the nuts or the olives or the cheese. All right. We want to dial that back as much as we can so that we're not overloading the body with energy. I call this the fat and carbohydrate seesaw. Okay. When one energy source is up, you want to try to keep the other one down, right? On most days, we're eating a low to moderate amount of carbs and having more fat. But on feast days, we try to take that fat down a notch. All right. And when you get into this rhythm, your body gets good at being metabolically flexible. Now, the carb and fat seesaw isn't always going to happen perfectly because frankly, most of our treats are a combination of fat and carbohydrates. You know, I'm thinking chips and guacamole, crackers and cheese, pretty much any baked good that's made with flour, sugar, and butter. Um, these are all energy dense combinations and it's okay for these to happen some of the time, as long as they're not happening all of the time. Sadly, the standard American diet is mostly made up of this combo of refined, high energy dense foods. There's a study from, it's kind of old, but from 2010, that shows 60% of the calories in America come from flour, sugar, and oil. Okay, we might call those the toxic trio. 
So that was in 2010. No telling what it is now. Um, but there's this company that makes obesogenic rat chow, okay, which is meant to get lab rats as fat as possible, as fast as possible. And sadly, its composition mirrors the standard American diet. It's low in protein and it's high in fats and sugar. Okay. I think they use like cornstarch and vegetable oil or something like that to make the chow, but pretty much re resembles the macronutrient ratio of a donut, a donut. Okay. And that's essentially what most Americans are eating on the daily, the equivalent of obesogenic rat chow. It is the formula for getting as fat as possible, as fast as possible. When you rely on these high energy dense foods as the mainstay of your diet. And that's why 88% of metabolically unhealthy uh, people are metabolically unhealthy and only 12% of us are metabolically healthy. I include myself in that 12% because even though I don't eat perfectly, I do eat food, uh, you know, with this toxic trio sometimes, but I don't eat it all the time. And when I do, I try to upgrade my ingredients as much as possible. That's another feast of fast strategy. You know, I'm not making my baked goods with toxic vegetable oil which also damages fat cells and makes it even harder to burn fat. I'm not choosing chips sprinkled with chemicals that overstimulate my pleasure receptors and burden my liver. Okay. I'm making cleaner choices or trying to as much as I can when it comes to some of these treat foods. Plus when you incorporate intermittent fasting, you allow your body to burn through some of the stored sugar in your liver and some of the stored fat on your body. Okay, so you're starting to shrink those fat cells. We want those adipocytes, which those are fat cells. We want those to have some flux, some fat flux, where they expand during the day as needed when you're eating and then shrink at night when you're fasting. Okay, if your adipocytes have room for this fat flux, you'll be metabolically flexible. It's when they're overstuffed that you run into the problem. We can also add an exercise, okay? And when you do, you burn some of that stored sugar that's in your muscle, helping to maintain some storage availability, right? So there's less sugar getting stored as fat. So these are all things that you can do um, to get metabolically fit while still enjoying your favorite treats. You know, you just have to have a plan and some strategy around it. And that's what we do. And that's what we practice together in Feast of Fast. And then you make this your lifestyle. You know, this is how I've been eating for years. And at this point, it's very intuitive for me. I don't have to count anything. I never feel deprived. I maintain my weight. I feel good. It's just a really peaceful, doable way of eating. I had a Feast of Faster this last round who said she's always been a healthy eater but even so, Feast to Fast was a life changer for her. And a lot of that is just having a greater understanding of how the body works, but also an understanding of how to have grace and peace around eating. You know, you can have an excellent diet and be at your optimal weight, but still be miserable in your head about your food and your body. Okay. That changes not only when you learn these principles that I teach, but also when you keep your eyes on the Lord the whole time, when you immerse yourself in daily scripture, it's just a whole different vibe and experience in Feast of Fast and like doing a diet program. So I hope you'll join us. We start, um, we, we do start with a week of sugar detoxing to really reset our taste and pleasure receptors and start shrinking those fat cells. 
And then we'll add in some feast days and we'll add in some holiday treats as we move through the month. It's the perfect time to be extra mindful about how you balance your energy dense foods. And seriously, you could end up more metabolically fit at the end of the year than you were before. And wouldn't that be a nice gift to yourself? You can go to feastofast.co to get signed up. I look forward to seeing you in the group and I'll see you in our weekly Zoom calls. I can't wait to do this with you. I hope today's um, episode gave you a better sense about energy toxicity and um, just being mindful of that that balance of carbs and fats and just keeping that visual of the seesaw in mind um, as much as you can. All right, my friends, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.